All right. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Uh, we have a few things to talk about. This is a Sunday morning edition, of course. So let's get right into it with the word on the street. And uh, we have a new attorney general, and we also have some, have some other changes going on in the White House. Now, President Trump will nominate William Barr as the new attorney general. Uh, he also served as attorney general for the first Bush, George H.W., from 1993 to I'm sorry, 1991 to 1993. He was my first choice since day one, and this is coming from Trump, although I don't necessarily agree with that because Matthew Whitaker was already serving as the active interim uh, attorney general, and there's also a big push, that a uh, big, big case for him uh, being the replacement as well. I, I, I honestly think the reason that they did not pick Whitaker is because there is starting to become some somewhat of a division between the Republican Party line, uh, between really starch conservative, and you see these neo-business types uh, with Donald Trump. There seems to be somewhat of a split there. I think Whitaker fits along those real hard. Uh, really tough conservative lines. I did not. I did. I do not think that would have worked well with Trump. Uh, Barr also supports strong executive powers. There you go. He was. He support. He and what that means is he uh, supports basically the uh, the president flexing the majority of the time, flexing his power and showcasing that power. And he likes to basically, uh, you know. Basically, go by him, go by his word. Uh, Trump will also bring in Heather Navert, uh, sorry, Heather Nowert, to replace Nikki Haley as the UN ambassador. Nowert worked as a Fox TV anchor, then was nominated to be the spokesperson of the State Department in 2017. Uh, the pushback from the, uh, from the Democrats, of course, could delay the confirmation until next year. There's a lot to be said about her actual political experience. I agree, uh, but of course, it's somebody who gets along with Trump and strokes his ego, so that's going to take precedence over anything else. Uh, also, we have uh, some more changes here. Oh, she also has ties with Ivanka Trump, who happens to be Trump's daughter, of course, and Jared Kushner, that being his son-in-law. So she's already uh, pretty much, she's made a connection she needs to make. Uh, she's been pretty much slated to to be the takeover. Now, uh, also, we have some more changes. The, uh, the chief of the, uh, the White House staff, excuse me, John F. Kelly, will also resign after 16 months. Now, this will be the longest tenure of a senior aide for Trump. Uh, but there has been, this has been marked a lot with beef by Trump. Uh, recently, they have not been, they have not been talking to each other. And it's been going on for at least a couple of weeks. Now, uh, Nick Ages is said to be taking over uh, Kelly's, uh, Kelly's duties. Uh, he also, Nick, uh, worked for Mike Pence, uh, the vice president, for about three years and was ahead of his staff, especially when he was governor of Indiana. And he's urged, he was also urged to run for governor by Trump's camp uh, just recently when uh, I think it was Abrams and I can't remember the other. I think it was Rick Scott uh, running out there in, in uh, Georgia. He was also pushed by Trump's camp, certain members in Trump's camp to uh, to take up a to take up a position in that. Uh, in that election as well, although he didn't, but there you go, he's pretty much another, another Trump, another Pence pony, so that's, that's what you have here, another, another person that they can influence, another person that they can buy out, or whatever have you, uh, that's pretty much what we're dealing with, all three of these guys that they've replaced, and the, the lady, uh, Miss Noward, are all people who have, uh, who basically have been, you know, in Trump's camp for a long time in one way or another. And like I said, they're easily influenced. So 
bunch of dummies. Uh, also, in other news, we also have the Grammys coming up, and we finally got some um, some nominees. I'm going to talk about a couple here. Uh, we have, uh, for Record of the Year, we have I Like It by Cardi B. I never really heard it. Uh, I'm not really a fan of Cardi B. But uh, there you go. Uh, we have This Is America by Childish Gambino. A uh, pretty solid song. I like the video. It was poignant. I get the message behind it. Uh, definitely uh, something that I would not mind seeing win a, win a, win a Grammy, especially with this climate right now. Uh, it would it would it would show that we are somewhat awake to what's going on, and that's pretty much, and you know it influences us. But uh, we also got uh, God's Plan by Drake. Again, another song that I haven't heard. I'm not really into a lot of these mainstream artists, so forgive me, uh, but it's not my thing. Mainstream music is just not my thing. But we also have uh, The Middle by Zed. Again, I've never even heard of Zed. I've never heard of this song, The Middle, but apparently people like it, so I can't hate too much about it. Uh, album of the Year, we got Cardi B with Invasion of Privacy. Again, it's Attack of the Hoes. You know, they're taking over, you know, uh, whole anthem. You know, this is this is for y'all, you know, working hard at the strip club, working hard on the corner. This is for y'all, you know, that's how I feel about it. We got, <laughs> by the way, I forgive you by Brandy Charlie. Uh, basically, what I get just by the name of that album, people must have hurt her growing up. She must have had a bad relationship right before she got rich. And now she's shitting on everybody. Look, look, by the way, I forgive you. I'm balling now. There we go, Brandy Charlie. Good luck. Uh, we also got H.E.R. or Her by Daryl Comper Jr., I don't know who or what this is all about. I don't know who that is. And then finally, we also got uh, Kendrick Lamar get a nominee uh, nomination. Excuse me for the Black Panther album. I thought that album was pretty solid. Uh, did a good do good job. Excuse me of producing it. Uh, good sounds. They went with the music. They went with our culture. Of course, uh, everybody's gonna hype that movie. Everybody's been hyping that movie. Uh, this is one of the best things that ha that had happened to black people since we've been freed from slavery. Uh, again, it was a good album. It was a good movie. You know. Um, Maybe it wins. Good luck. <laughs> and uh, two of my favorite artists have been nominated, which is all I really care about. Uh, kind of sucks because they're both in the same category. So it kind of hurts me when it comes to rooting. But uh, Nissy Hustle and Mac Miller both have nominations. And I think those are really cool nominees. Uh, Mac Miller, of course, he's been putting in work uh, for a very long time. Um, you know, sort of independent. Now, he was, before he passed, uh, he was able to get to that major leagues. And, um Unfortunately, uh, he couldn't, you know, sustain his life and uh, he ended up taking his life. But the music he has still stands. And I like the fact that uh, the, the Academy uh, took the chance to, to at least nominate him and, and respect what he's done. And uh, Nipsey Hussle, uh, I don't I don't say too much about him. I haven't said too much about him on this show, uh, but he's definitely one of my favorite rappers. He's been my, one of my favorite rappers in the game since about 2011. Uh, really hard, uh, really um Really, I think real as as I think he's as real as any as as they all come uh, straight from uh, L A. Shout out to L A. Rolling sixties to be exact. Um, definitely kept the real. Definitely one of those guys that I would if if I knew somebody that was involved, a younger cat that was involved in some of the street stuff, I would want him to look up to this guy as a, as somebody who you can look up to and, and move on uh, from that lifestyle. From he's completely, in my opinion, one of the few guys that's really done it, uh, done it correctly. And really doing uh, in terms of music, really owning it 
on an independent level. And I like the fact that they're giving some respect to the independent artist uh, without that much uh, mainstream influence. And, and Nipsey definitely is the man for that. Uh, Big Three Lap, if you have not heard that album, I suggest you do it. Uh, Mailbox Money is also a great, uh, great CD as well. Uh, all the uh, all the marathons, TM, uh, TMC one, two, and three. One of the greatest artists, in my opinion, the past five or ten, five or six years, one of the best artists, uh, especially uh, independently. And for what he for for him to be getting this buzz independently, I think this is really good for him, and uh, I really salute him. And I, and unfortunately, uh, again, this is in the hip hop category, so Cardi B is liable to take it. They want to salute the hoes this year. They want to salute some. So, you know, promiscuous women this year, they've always been doing that for the past, uh, this generation, for the past many years in this generation. But again, I think the real artistry, Mac Miller, uh, definitely also um, Nipsey Hussle, sorry. And then uh, we also got some nominees for, um, excuse me, I think it's Song of the Year, which I don't see the difference between, rec I don't see the difference between record and song, but... Uh, we let's get to it. We have All the Skies by Kendrick Lamar and SZA. Again, another one of these uh, these uh, mainstream songs I haven't really gotten into. Uh, but again, there you go, Kendrick Lamar. Uh, not to say that he's not a good artist. I do like a lot of his music, but again, I just I'm not a, a mainstream person like that. We also got Shallow by Lady Gaga. She's still in the mix. I haven't heard her name come up in a couple of years, but she's still relevant, of course. And of course, you have This Is America by Childish Gambino. Again, a song that I think is really strong, really poignant. Uh, the message uh, is really um, it's really impactful, I think, especially because of what we're going through right now. Uh, you know, it would be a good it would be a good thing to see to see him uh, maybe take one home uh, for that type of for that type of song. All right, y'all. So we're going to move on. Uh, of course, we have some college football news. We have quite a bit. Actually, we're going to talk some transfer news. Kelly Bryant. I brought him up a couple times in this show. We're going to talk a little bit about, about that. Uh, we also have a new coaching signing as well. And then we're going to preview some of these New Year's six balls ball games. Uh, the uh, and I'm also going to do the game right before that. Uh, this, I'm sorry, December the 31st, uh, New Year's Eve, and then also we're gonna wrap the college football news up with our with the Heisman ceremony that was last night. I was off uh, by like a week on that, but we do have the results from that, and I will be talking about that. All right, y'all, I will be right back. All right, y'all, so I am back, and let's get right into it. Like I said, we have some transfer news here. Kelly Bryant has decided to officially transfer and take his talents to Missouri. Uh, this is coming off of, a co of course, if you don't remember uh, me bringing him up a little bit earlier this season, this college football season, that is. Uh, he was formerly co uh, sorry, quarterbacking at Clemson, uh, but he had his job uh, taken by the freshman at that school now, uh, the big man on campus at that school now, Trevor Lawrence. So he decided to, in order to, you know, in order to push his pro candidacy and his potential, uh, he decided to transfer schools, which is definitely smart. He still had at least another year of eligibility left. Uh, but he just, like I said, he decided to go to Missouri, uh, which is in the SEC East. He also decided to go to Arkansas. Well, he also decided to uh, visit Arkansas, Auburn, uh, North Carolina, and Mississippi State. So those were all schools that he considered, all within the same geographical, pretty much geographical area. So we kind of see uh, 
you know, what he had in mind. Uh, Missouri is also bringing in a new offensive coordinator. Well, they already did this season, uh, but his name is Derek Dooley. This is his first year. So they have a new quarterback and a pretty much a new offensive coordinator, which is, that, and that's pretty good to have those co things come in at the, basically the same time. I think that's a good thing for them. They have a chance to uh, definitely work with each other, uh, good, a good amount of time to work with each other. Uh, they currently have an 8-4 record, that being uh, Missouri, and they were playing the Liberty Ball this year, so they're already pretty solid. Uh, they have the 18th best offense 18th best offense in terms of yards and also scoring in the nation. Uh, the QB Bryant uh, is replacing their old one, uh, Drew Locke, who is going to be uh, who's a highly touted NFL prospect. So there you go. This system can already uh, take somebody who I I really haven't heard too much about in terms of Drew Locke up until this season, up until the afterwards in the season. Now he's a highly uh, highly coveted, not necessarily highly coveted, but he is definitely being scouted right now by a lot of pro um, pro teams. Teams. And that's the thing about this offensive uh, coordinator that they do have, Derek Dooley. Uh, I've, I've known about him for a while. He's had a couple head coaching stints, I believe, at Tennessee. And I want to go on a limb and say, I know for a fact Louisiana Tech, and I do, like I said, I want to go out on a limb and say Tennessee. Uh, he probably wasn't the best of head coaches, but he's definitely a good coordinator. He could definitely call plays, and he could definitely make teams better offensively. So I'm not really surprised about this with Drew Locke at all. Uh, but this is the quote coming from Kelly Bryant. I think this is really important uh, because, again, it shows you where his where his perspective is and where he plans on heading in the future, and it's good to know that. Uh, here he goes. He says, what really intrigues me is that uh, – well, sorry. What really intrigues me with him – is that Coach uh, Dooley is Coach Dooley's first season. Um, Andrew had to go in and learn the system, and you see how he's playing now. It's just that's just drawing me. If he can go in and learn it in one year, I know I can go in and learn it in one year as well. So he plans on what, what I get from that is he plans on you know upping his game and he plans on putting himself you know in that mix possibly next year for an NFL draft so I like the ambition uh, I think he's in a position where he where I think he's using his brain uh, thinking and understanding okay well in order to get me to that next level I'm gonna have to improve on some things and I'm looking at what one quarterback was able to do and he was able to go uh, to the pros he's getting that pro attention let's see what exactly where he gets drafted in terms of Drew Locke uh, but definitely if he gets drafted and he any uh, thing between the first and the second round. That's a big uh, accomplishment for Derek Dooley and that coaching staff. And it's definitely something that uh, Kelly Bryant can look at and say, oh, I could do that too. And I think Kelly Bryant does have the skill set. Uh, but let's go through a little bit about him. Uh, last season, uh, 2017, uh, he did lead Clemson to the ACC championship and also the national uh, the national semifinal against Alabama, but he was he did lose in that game. Now he did get some playing time this year. Like I said, he went thirteen to eight, uh, thirteen touchdowns, eight interceptions for two thousand eight eighty two yards. He also had eight hundred thirty four yards on the ground with four touchdowns. Now I'm, again, I'm not a, too sure why he was replaced by Trevor Lawrence. I'm not uh, again, I'm not the biggest fan of that. I'll be the first person to tell you that. Uh, but again, uh, Clemson wanted to make its, you know, decision. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, their head coach, made that decision. They still 
are successful. You can see that. You can see that now. Again, they're going back to the college football playoff. Uh, but just a little bit more about him. He was a Davey O'Brien Award semifinalist, and this is award for the best quarterback in the nation. He was also a finalist for the Manning Award, another quarterback award as well. Uh, award as well. So he, uh, you know, his numbers were nothing. I'm sorry. Uh, his num- his numbers in 2017 uh, were nothing to sneeze at. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this year I, I messed up a little bit. His numbers this year were he had uh, 461 yards. Two touchdowns and three interceptions. So, of course, I can see why, in a way, where he was kind of overtaken by the freshman. Uh, but again, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is leaps and bounds uh, better than Chad Kelly. Uh, Chad, I'm sorry, Kelly Bryant. Uh, but again, you know, Dabo, the head coach, he wanted to make, uh, you know, make a decision that you know that would better his team. And it looks like they're in exact pretty much the same place. Uh, if they were to lose to Alabama the same way this year, again, I will be like, uh, maybe you could have stuck with Bryant just one more year. I mean, you have at least three more years with Trevor Lawrence, but, um, I would have, I would have, I would have taken a guy that had the most experience. But uh, again, I'm, I digress. What do I know? I'm not a head coach. Uh, but moving on. Speaking of head coaches, Georgia Tech has decided to hire their new head coach, and they decided to hire Temple's head coach Jeff Collins to replace, replace, excuse me, Paul Johnson. Collins, uh, Collins was 15 to 10 in his first two years at Temple. He also served as a graduate assistant at Georgia Tech. And uh, from 1999 to 2001, and he also served as a recruiting coordinator in 2006. Uh, both coaches will participate in their former team's ball, meaning Jeff Collins will be coaching for uh, Temple in their ball game, and also Paul Johnson will still be with Georgia Tech for their ball game. They will just be walking away, respectively, after those games. Uh, now, um, Georgia Tech will be in the Quick Lane Ball versus Minnesota, and Temple will be in the Independence Ball versus Duke. Collins was also defensive coordinator at Florida between 2015 and 2016, also at Mississippi State between uh, 2011 and 2014, and also at Florida International at 2010. So he has a lot of experience, uh, at least play calling and working with uh, personnel. Uh, he's been around, like I said, uh, since 1999 and any type of uh, coaching role, but he's on the defensive side of things. It looks like he has a very uh, array of different experiences coming into the defensive account. So I think on the defensive end, he's really good. He seems to be solid there. Uh, the Owls, the Owls uh, up, up there in Temple uh, finished 8-4 and four this year, 7-1 in the American Conference, and they also won, their, uh, won six of their last seven games. So they're looking to be a hot team he looks he's looking to be a good coach and i think that's a good fit uh for a, a team like georgia tech uh, again i'm not too sure how well he runs the option uh but again he's a great defensive coach which is something that uh georgia has been georgia tech has always been near the top of uh you know, throughout Paul Johnson's tenure, uh, and that's defense and also running. So if he can run and play some defense, not too much has changed. Not too much will change. And um, finally, uh, we're gonna, well, at least in, talk, in terms of the big-time news for college football, uh, we're going to go over the Heisman Trophy. Uh, of course, the, the, uh, the event was last night, and Kyler Murray, quarterback from Oklahoma, has uh has worked. Uh now the interesting thing about them about him, excuse me, is that he was a transfer student. And I forgot all about this. He transferred to Oklahoma in twenty sixteen. He also sat behind Baker Mayfield. I, I forgot that I had heard this name at least a year or so ago before even before that. Uh twenty fifteen going back to Texas A and M. And I, I it completely um slipped
slipped my mind. I think he was supposed to be the guy that was supposed to be the uh, the main starter right after uh, Johnny Manziel. He was there, uh, Miles Garrett's last year, I believe, and uh, I do believe he had some some uh, some solid games with Texas A and M. Uh, but I did forget uh, that he did transfer. He did sit, uh, sit behind Baker Mayfield for a time. He was supposed, like I said, when he transferred uh, to Oklahoma, he was supposed to be the guy then. Uh, but he had to sit behind Baker Mayfield. Uh, but like I said, Baker Mayfield went on to win the Heisman last year. Uh, like I said, Kyle Murray has won it this year. So that would make make it the first time since 1945, the 1945 to 1946 football season. That two players have from the same school have won the Heisman. Uh, this year, Kyle Murray, in terms of passing, of course, we already know, 41 touchdowns. Uh, over 4,000 yards. He also had 11 touchdowns for 892 yards on the ground. Uh, this puts him at 51 touchdowns in total, which was second uh, to Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. Actually tied for first with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, he also finished with 571 first place votes. Uh, Tua finished second and Haskins finished a distant third. So it looked like from the get-go, Kyler Murray, especially with uh, the last season push, uh, did enough to win. Uh, but he has decided after the after his playoff run with um, with Oklahoma, excuse me. No matter how that ends, uh, he's going to play baseball. He's going to be playing for the uh, baseball for the Oakland A's uh, in the spring. He was a ninth overall pick. He also signed a four point six million dollar extension. So he's looking to that's looking to be his future, not football. And I'm either way, I'm proud of the man. He had a great year, uh, great numbers, and he's a phenomenal athlete, and he deserves everything that comes to him all right y'all so before we move on like i said i'm gonna uh i'll um outline these uh new year six uh ball games of course these are right before these these games are gonna show up right before um your national championship the cost the cost uh the national championship is going to be January the 7th. Uh, these are going to be January. All three of these games are going to be January 1st. I'm also going to highlight the Peach Ball, which is going to be New Year's Eve, December 29th, of course. So let's start off, um, let's start off with that Peach Ball. So December the 29th, uh, Michigan will be taking on uh, Florida. Michigan is 11-2 this year. Uh, Florida, of course, is 9-3. The story behind this game is, of course, Karan Higdon running back for Michigan. 1,178 yards, 10 touchdowns on the year. Second best running back in the in the Big Ten. Uh, they also got defensive lineman uh, Ja'Kai Polite. He had 16 tackles for loss and 11 sacks. And this is for Florida, by the way. And that is the third. That goes for third in the SEC. So Florida... Uh, definitely has hitters on the defensive end. Uh, of course, we already know Michigan can run that ball pretty well, and they can play some defense too. They probably have the best, if I'm not mistaken, they have the best ranked defense in the country, uh, at least passing wise. Uh, the Royal, yes, they and overall, the Wolverines have the number one defense. Uh, they've held eight opponents under 300 yards this season, and also held five, uh, five to ten points of uh, to ten points or fewer. Uh, with that being said. I think Florida plays a lot better than a lot of other play, uh, a lot of other teams that they've already seen this year. Uh, we've already seen when they stepped up the competition and played uh, somebody to the caliber of Ohio State. Uh, I do not think this is going to be a cakewalk for them. I think Florida is another legit team. I think uh, this game is close. Uh, it, it will have to for me. Uh, the deciding factor will have to be if Winovich, uh, one of the prime defenders for. Um, 
I'm sorry, the Michigan can play. If Winovich can play, if he starts, then I can get the nod to Michigan. If not, then it's a it's a it's a wide open game for me, and I would not be surprised if Florida won. Uh, moving on, we got the uh, January first games, New Year's Day games. Uh, we have Ohio State taking on uh, Washington. Ohio State is twelve and one. Washington is ten and three. This will be in the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Of course, the big story is Ohio State's quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Uh, last couple of weeks. He had a monster. He's been having a monster showing 895 yards and 11 touchdowns with no interceptions. He also had five 400 yards this five 400 yard games this season. He is a beast. He is a monster in that pocket. He can also run a little bit as well. He's nothing to sneeze at. However, Washington has the fifth best scoring defense and has only given it only gave up three points in their conference championship game. Uh, like I said, Washington also has a, the best rushing defense in the Pac-12. They also have a really great rusher. Uh, they have a decent quarterback in Jake Browning. Uh, he's he has some uh, he has some high rankings in terms of where he ranks in terms of yardage and stuff like that. But but they will pretty much be led by the running back, Miles Gaskin. He was the third leading rusher in the Pac-12 all time. Uh, this, is, this is his fourth straight year rushing for over 1,000 yards. Uh, so I like I like them being able to run the ball on Ohio State. Ohio State isn't a great greatest tackling team. I don't know if they'll be able to throw the ball everywhere, uh, but Ohio State's defense has given up six touchdowns, um, rush, six rushing touchdowns of 75 yards 75 yards or more. This is the most by the FBS team in 15 years. So I can see Miles Gaskin breaking a couple tackles away. Uh, but again, I don't know if they, they're really that that balanced to keep up with Ohio State. Because uh, imagine this Ohio State's quarterback can run uh, just as well as their starting running back. And they were not even talking about. Ohio State's running back. And then on top of that, I know for a fact that Wayne Haskins can throw, and I think he can throw better than Jake Browning. So with all that being said, I see Ohio State winning a, winning a really close one. This is probably going to be the most competitive of the New Year's Six ball games. just looking at it for what it is. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing this one. I think this one goes back, back and forth. Uh, moving on, we have the Fiesta Ball. We got 12-0 UCF taking on 9-3 uh, LSU. UCF is still missing their quarterback, McKenzie Milton. Of course, he suffered an injury in the conference championship game uh, versus Memphis. Uh, and how and um, LSU has won not of his first 11 games before having all that fall apart against Alabama. LSU will also be missing two of their best cornerbacks, Greeny, Greeny Williams and also Christian Fulton. Uh, with that being said, they probably have the best defensive, defensive player between both the teams in uh, their linebacker. Uh, now, I believe his name is D. Foster. Now, that game, um, it's hard to say. I mean, because we don't really know what LSU comes LSU comes to play. Of course, LSU had a very bad heartbreaking loss in about six overtimes to Texas A&M. That was a tiring loss. Uh, of course, they weren't able to get it done in their conference overall. Uh, but then you also have UCF, who's missing their top quarterback. And there's a lot to be said about their strength of schedule. A lot that people, everybody's been saying about their strength of schedule. I would not believe that hype. I think any anybody can come to play uh, when it comes down to it we do not know until um we see we see some action but again just because of ucf is in their quarterback um but then again 
LSU was missing two of their best corners. So that was a that was a toss up for me too. Uh, I don't I can't really think of a winner just right now, but I think it should be a, it should be a competitive game. I'm hoping for at least a competitive game. Uh, this one I don't think this one is going to be competitive. This is going to be a sugar ball. We got nine and four Texas taking on eleven and two Georgia. Uh, Texas ranked Texas ranks thirty six in the, in defense total overall in terms of rushing and like I said overall. Uh, Texas averages about four hundred fifteen yards a game at thirty one points. How However, Georgia's defense is only allowing 18.5. I feel that uh, Georgia's played the better competition competition from beginning to end. Uh, Texas has showed up. It showed up in that game versus Oklahoma. But again, it wasn't like it was a complete game by them. It was just an offensive game. Uh, offensive slobber knocker uh so i know that texas can put up points but i don't think they can put up this uh keep up keep up the pace against this type of defense i like kirby smart and like the play that he calls on defense i'm gonna go with georgia in a big one in a big game uh big way all right y'all so we're gonna take another quick break i've covered everything here oh actually you know what before i let you go let's just go over some quick football news um not too much to talk about here, but first round 2016 pick Darren Lee, linebacker for the New York Jets, will be out uh, for the uh, for the rest of the season, I believe, for violating, yes, the rest of the season, for violating the substance abuse policy. Uh, he had a monster game this week, uh, actually not this week, but week one versus the Lions. He had three pass def- uh, deflections, two interceptions, uh, an interception return for a touchdown. Uh, so far this season, he has three interceptions and 74 total touchdowns. Tackles, and he can return on um, December the 31st, and that's right after, pretty much right after the regular season. Uh, and also, we already know about Thursday night football. Let's not get into it too much. Uh, of course, the Titans were able to get that 30 to nine against the Jags. Uh, they move on to seven and six. Jags, of course, four and nine. Um, not too much to really take away from this game, except for Derrick Henry had a monster one, 238 yards, four touchdowns. Of course, he's the player of the game. Uh, Marcus Mariota, out. Uh, one thing I will say is he did not look that great this game. Uh, he didn't hit. Of course, he didn't lose the game. He didn't have his team lose the game. Uh, but again, just a little, just just I didn't like his numbers, and he's a little bit inconsistent for me. But other than that, a good win for the Titans. Of course, they're still in the playoff playoff hunt, and uh, we got some playoff act. I mean, we got some NFL action going on today. So I will be covering that in my next episode. Uh, but for now, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna be coming back with some hoops action. We're gonna be going over the top twenty-five actions in the college basketball game, and then we're gonna go over last night's action in terms of the NBA. All right, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, my people, we are back, and I'm going to finish this up for today. Like I said, we're going to get into this college hoops action. Let's get into the top 25. This is colloquially, colloquially, <laughs> I'm probably sure I butchered that the second time. Let's try it one more time. Colloquially, known as Upset Saturday in college basketball. Now, this happens every every so often. It might even happen a couple times in the same year. This is all, and it's, it's you know, if you want to know what I mean by Upset Saturday, it says it in the name. This is a day that uh, ups, the upsets tend to happen. Why? I don't know. But there's one or two that day, one or two important ones. So let's break a couple of them down. Uh, of course, we have two uh, that I really want to get into. Uh, but let's get into the scores, the overall score scores real quick uh, we have starting off with South Carolina uh, they came up short against number five Michigan 78 to 59 uh, of course this is the first of the upsets that I'm going to talk about uh, today uh, number nine Kentucky uh, went on to lose to Seton Hall unranked Seton Hall that is 
83 to 84. Kentucky moves on to seven and two on the season. Uh, Seton Hall moves up to six and three. In terms of uh, Kentucky, uh, they got help from P.J. Washington. Their forward went for 29 points, 13 rebounds, and also four assists. Uh, they also had another forward, Travis uh, uh, Reed Travis. Excuse me, helped them out. He had 13 points, six rebounds, and two assists. As for Seton Hall, they had a triple threat of guards uh, to. To get them through this game, uh, Miles Powell is a leading scorer for them, 28 points, 4 assists. Uh, Miles Cole also helped out with 17 points, 4 rebounds, and Quincy McKnight had 15 points, 5 assists off the bench. One thing I could take away from this game is ample scoring from Seton Hall. Like I said, you had three guards. Uh, they had double-digit points. Overall, everybody on that that team contributed, if I'm not mistaken, with some type of points, at least five or six points. Uh, Kentucky, again, it didn't show that it was that deep, and I think it's really concerning. Uh, I think the first two guys, like I say, the first two forwards you have here, P.J. Washington and Reed Travis, they had okay games, but they really, they really didn't get any help outside of those guys. And I think it's going to come back to haunt them in conference play, deeper in conference play. And I don't think it keeps, get, keeps them out of the tournament, but I don't think they go – Far within the tournament without their without that depth. So I'm looking at it right now. I don't see the depth there. Uh, we'll see how the season goes on. They definitely have a solid coach in Kyler Perry, but again, you need bodies to help you out. And when you got three guards that can that can uh, that can take over a game, you're gonna need more than just two of your forwards, and you're gonna need them to score more uh, than than uh, looks like. 30, looks like 40 something points combined between them both, which is fine, but that's not going to work against everybody. Obviously, it didn't work against Seton Hall. You needed a, need a better team effort, is what I'm saying from Kentucky. Uh, moving on, uh, we got Michigan State, number 10 in the nation, getting it done against Florida, 63 to 59. Uh, we also got St. Joseph's out there in New York City, getting it done against Villanova, 50, I'm sorry, they lost to Villanova, uh, 58 to 70. Uh, Villanova holds on to that 21st ranking. Uh, we also got Loyola, you, sorry, Loyola out there in Illinois. Uh, they take the L to Maryland, uh, number 23. 41 to 55 is is a score there. Uh, Mississippi State they also hold on to their uh, top 25 ranking, getting a win against Clemson, 82 to 71. Uh, we also got Buffalo getting it done against another another team that I've never heard of. Uh, number 17 Buffalo gets it done, 80 to 62 against Saint Bonaventure. Uh, we're gonna talk about another upset here. This one is an ugly one. Uh, we got number 16 Kansas going down to Tulsa in the in-state rivalry, 46 to 47. Let's talk about this one as well. This one is ugly this one's a really uglier one uh forward xavier sneed he only had 13 points uh 13 uh 10 rebounds excuse me guard cartier diara had nine points and seven assists as you can already see it was a low scoring game i did not really catch this one but just looking at the stats of this one really ugly scoring game a lot of missed shots uh pretty okay defense i, I know you i know people would say well maybe it was some defense it was some defense but uh a, a lot of teams i mean especially kansas state they were just not playing up to their standard uh but in terms of uh, tulsa they were led by guard Curran scott who had 14 points and five rebounds also got help from their forward martins igbanu who had nine uh nine points and six rebounds uh 16 uh number 16 kansas moves on to six and two i'm not too sure how how well where they'll drop in terms of the rankings but we'll see uh by next week i think they drop a couple spots but uh we'll see again i'll i'll, I'll have those rankings for you guys at the start of next week and tulsa they move on to seven and three so 
They're looking all right. They have a winning record. They're just not ranked yet. But we'll see. If they keep winning, they might be ranked. Uh, we also got number 25, Furman. Uh, this is their first ever appearance on any AP poll. Uh, they maintain their undefeated streak. They beat uh, U uh, University of South Carolina Upstate uh, uh, 74 to 60. Like I said, Furman is still number 25 in the nation. We also got number 12, um, Wisconsin going down to Marquette 74 to 69. Uh, that's a another big upset right there as well that's um that's they're not that's not conference play yet but they're still in-state rivals and i think it's telling because again you know wisconsin hasn't really unloaded into that big 10 schedule yet and there's some t there's some good big 10 teams that they're gonna have to play of course i've already just mentioned um number 10 michigan state they just got a big win against florida and also they got number five michigan they gotta deal with and they also got to deal with a ranked ohio state team they're somewhere in the top 15 if not somewhere maybe even near the 20s and also they got to deal with nebraska who's number 24 uh nebraska also was able to get another win this uh yesterday uh this time winning against creighton 94 7 Again, Nebraska holds on to that number 24 ranking. Uh, moving on, we have number 11, Florida State, getting the job done against Connecticut, 79-71. to 71. And we also got New Mexico State coming up just a little bit short against number two, Kansas, 60-63. Uh, to 63. I want to break this one down because I haven't really discussed Kansas too much yet. Uh, but let's, like I said, we're going to break this one down. In terms of scoring, uh, New Mexico State was led by JoJo Zamora, the guard. He had 15 points. In three rebounds. Uh, they were also helped out by Yvonne Arashoa, who also had 13 points, and also forward Johnny McCants. He also had 12 points and six rebounds. As for Kansas, they were led by their forward, Deion, uh, sorry, Diedrich Lawson, who had 20 points and 10 rebounds, and also their guard, Marcus Garrett, 10 points uh, three rebounds and two assists. It looks like they are missing their primary center, Azubuki. I can kind of tell it now. This game was a little bit too close for for their taste. Uh, talking about Kansas here, I will. I, I don't know how. Like again, I don't know how long Azubuki is supposed to be out. Their center, their big man. Uh, but they definitely missed his presence. This game, like I said, too close to comfort. Uh, Zamora was able to get off some easy shots, uh, get some rebounds as well. Uh, McCants got a lot of rebounds as well, and just. You know, New Mexico played it tight. Uh, again, they play in a competitive conference in the Big 12, that being Kansas, uh, number two Kansas. And we already know that they're already tied with their top spot with Texas Tech. So it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting story. Uh, again, Kansas, Kansas State maintains their 8-0 record, their undefeated streak, and New Mexico moves down to 7-2. But there was a lot of holes uh, that could be, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, hiccups in Kansas' game. So, and, um, if they're not careful. They'll be once they start getting the conference play, you'll start seeing that. And again, you know, you'll you're seeing some good wins now. You're seeing some bad losses now. But we're just getting started in terms of in college basketball. You're, we're just scratching the surface. Remember, we got to go all the way to tournament play. And this, it's all all these games do play a factor in all different ways. So I'll keep you guys up to date. Don't worry about it. I'm here. And then you also got uh before I wrap this up for college basketball, we also got number eight Auburn getting it done against Dayton, eighty-two to seventy-two. All right, y'all. So we're going to move on, like I said, to the NBA. We're going to go over the, the scores from last night. And uh, starting off with the Rockets, they were able to get it done 104 to 107 against their in state rivalry, the Mavericks. Also, we have the Kings losing to the Pacers uh, 97 to 107. Let's break this one down real quick. Uh, for the Kings, Buddy Hield, he had a good, another good game 20 points. 
four rebounds. De'Aaron Fox, he had 18 points and six assists. And also Willie Cully-Stein, he had 14 points and nine rebounds. So the young guys for the Kings are, are trying to do their thing. Uh, they just weren't able to get it all done. They weren't able to bring all the pieces together tonight. Uh, well, last night, excuse me. And uh, for the Pacers, Thaddeus Young, he had 20 points, nine rebounds. I forgot he even still played in the league. Good to see his name out there. Uh, they also got help from Bojan Bogdanovic. He had 18 points and four rebounds. And also their point guard, Darren Collison, helped them out as well with 14 points and six assists. Uh, the Kings move on to 13-12, and 12, still have a winning record, still can compete in the Western Conference. I'm not mad at that. I I can't sneeze at it. I, I actually like that because they could have been a dumpster file. There were so many reasons for them to be at the bottom of the pile and just so much dysfunction. Uh I could very well see them with five or six wins, but for them to have thirteen at this point in the season, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an improvement for them, and they should pat themselves not too hard on the back, but just a little bit. And that owner, as much as I don't like him, he, I, he's 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 putting the people around him, I guess, that knows a little bit about basketball. Uh, again, Pacers move on to sixteen and ten. They are still competing in that Eastern Conference, which is, in my opinion, stacked as a uh, stacked. And I know that's crazy to say that. I know you've never said. I know you've never heard somebody say that before. But the Eastern conference is looking kind of stacked right now so um good game from both teams and a good win by the pacers uh moving on uh we got the nuggets beating the hawks oh sorry nuggets losing to the hawks 98 to 106 we also get the uh the nets beating the knicks 112 to 104 and some atlantic atlantic division play we got the wizards uh losing to the Cavs 101 to 116 we also got the lakers coming up big against the grizzlies 111 to 88 and we also have the celtics coming up really big against the Bulls, 133 to 177. Let's talk about this dumpster fire real quick. Uh, the Celtics, of course, move up to 15 and 10. They're looking to get their stuff together. The Bulls, they're falling all apart, 6 to 21. Uh, let's break down the scoring real quick. Uh, they were led by, well, in terms of the Celtics, they were led by Jalen Brown. He led all scores with 23 points. Five rebounds and three assists, and this is all coming off the bench. Uh, Jason Tatum also had 18 points as well. And the standout player in this game, I, I, at least the player that I liked in this game, was Daniel Fias. Uh, their power forward had 22 points, 10 rebounds, and also five assists. I don't hear too much about him, uh, so I, it's good to see one of those nondescript guys get some action and do pretty well. And as far as the Bulls, they had Z uh, Shaquille Harrison get 20 points for them, and Zach Levine, he's been around for a minute for those guys. He only got 11 points last night. Again, the Bulls are looking like they're falling apart all around. Uh, terrible team. I don't know what to, you know, it's no end in sight for those guys. Uh, possibly one of the worst records in the league. Let's see. I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, we got the Blazers beating the T Wolves 113 105. We're also gonna break this. We're also gonna break this one down as well. This Western Conference matchup for the Timberwolves. They had Andrew uh, Wiggins lead them 20 points, six assists. And also, Carl Anthony Towns has 19, got 19 points, 10 rebounds. And also, Derrick Rose had 18 points and 9 assists. This game was relatively close up until the end. Uh, the Blazers just were able to get it done. Dame, Dollar Dame, my man, uh, 28 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Decent numbers, from, well, good numbers from him. This is pretty much a... a a legit stat line from him. Good game from him. Yusef Nurkic, 22 points, 11 rebounds, and 4 assists. And CJ, uh, 19 points, excuse me, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Another good game from Portland. Uh, they're looking to... 
uh, they had a little rough spat, uh, a little rough patch uh, the past couple of weeks, uh, but they've been able to get it. They've been able to rise up a little bit. They are currently at 15 and 11. They're still ch- they're still challenging for one of those top spots in the West. Uh, T Wolves, despite we know what's going on with them, they recently uh, lost Jimmy Butler about a month ago, almost. Uh, they're still maintaining. They're at a 500 record right now. And Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, for all that's been said about them, they're still part of the reason why they're even in these games. Of course, Derrick Rose is is helping out as well uh but definitely uh the two biggest guys that a, a lot of the media has turned their backs on and said a lot of a lot of negative stuff in my opinion about uh they're looking to, to still maintain and they're, and they're still out there so uh i, I don't want to take too much um beat them up too much of course there's another l you don't like taking too many l's but they're still playing they're still playing decently in my opinion so you can't take too much away from them all right y'all so we're gonna t- we're gonna wrap this up for today uh my next episode i wanted to get a little bit deeper into the xfl they had their intro uh their introduction press conference of couple days ago earlier this week uh so i want to get into that uh they have their cities mapped out looks like they have their uh they have their final uh they're, they're going to make their final push they're, of course they're trying to be um they're trying to have their first game by 2020 so we're going to talk a little bit more about them uh not too much on a college football standpoint uh, in terms of news that i know about of course uh but definitely want to get into the xfl want to get into a little bit of that uh maybe a mid-season report not a mid-season report for the nba but just a report on really what's going on some of the, the top stories about what's going on at this I guess the quarter or quarter of the way through in the season, something like that around Christmas. I know Christmas time games are really big, so I want to have a, a little bit of a, a reflection period before then, uh, just to let you guys know what's going on with the league and where I think is who I think is going where and, and all that. But for now, we're gonna take a quick, we're gonna take a break, and uh, we will be back soon. And uh, if anybody hasn't told you just yet, I love you. You guys treat each other well. And you guys have a good one. Peace out and one love.